the main focus of here, I think what we're developing is trying to create, you know, a customer relations. We're trying to, to, to make sure that we are very close to our customer, very supportive to them, we're very attentive. We want to add as much value to the customer as we can. The one thing that people want is relation with the company. If they can touch it, if they can trust it, if they can feel it, if they know what it's about. And that's how you get ahead in the, in the industry. You're listening to Ecomonics, a Debutify podcast, your resource for one-of-a-kind insights into the world of e-commerce and business in the modern age. This is Joseph. I'll be presenting a wealth of industry knowledge from interviews with successful business people and our own state-of-the-art research. Your time is valuable, so let's go. WIO, in many ways, represents the future of this industry. From its endorsement by top-level e-com expert Steve Tan, alumni of the show, its 150-plus personnel on board, its over 25,000 square meters in warehouse space, to name a few key features, puts us at the forefront of our industry. We speak to Tebow from their sales side and get insights into what are the core building blocks of running this business successfully, raising the bar for the industry, and also what life is like within their walls. Wheel is one of the many options we have to enhance our e-commerce brand, and I strongly recommend giving them careful consideration. Tebo, coming to us from China, representing Wheel, I would say one of the most important dropshipping companies, dropshipping agencies uh, on the market right now. It is an honor to have you here. Uh, your company is making a huge difference in the e-commerce space. And it's just thank you. You know, it's good. It's good to have you here. How are you doing today? How are you feeling? I'm doing great. Thank you so much for having me on your show. And I hope this podcast would be uh, awesome to, you know, would be awesome to share our opinions on the dropshipping industry and about we, of course, this is why we're here at the end of the day. Definitely. Yeah, I, I'm absolutely looking forward to hearing some of your opinions on it as well. Um, so we got we got some key objectives. Uh, we definitely want to know as much as we can about WIO. So for people who either don't understand why it's important to work with an agency such as WIO, or they decided they want to work with an agency, they're just trying to pick out which one. Uh, this is a really important episode uh, for people because this is a pretty pivotal decision to make. So first question, though, this is the economics tradition. We got to know. Tell us who you are and what do you do? All right. So basically, we are the fulfillment order agency. We basically handle um, um, all the dirty work for the dropshippers. We make sure that they get to enjoy just, um, you know, marketing their business and focusing on the storefront or, uh, or the front of the business uh, instead of just having to hassle around finding the products, purchasing uh, them and, and, and making sure they get to the customer. Uh, we handle that all for them. Terrific. And and I can say too that on my own burgeoning pathway to uh, becoming a, a a seller, right now I have encountered uh, what is a pretty significant issue, which is uh, shipping times, where I, I gave a friend a product code. I basically gave him like 100% off. I just wanted him to order the product just to test it, just to see. As of this recording, it's been three weeks and the product hasn't shown up. In fact, we're starting to think it's not going to show up at all. So this is one of the main things that really gets in the way of people's ability to get into the e-commerce industry and feel like it's such a significant disadvantage. Because I know, I mean, Amazon can deliver things within a day. Nobody can beat that. But we do need to try and we need to deliver on our products as quickly as we can. And yeah, like you say, we got to get rid of the dirty work. Um, so can you tell us... Uh, for one, uh, how uh, how your company came to be, and you know how it started off, and how it was able to uh, rise to the level that it that it's at now. All right, basically, before it became real, it was called Sumatech. Um, it was doing um, just basically basic warehousing um, um, for the e-commerce industry, and then Sam, uh, the owner, found a gap, and he uh, he saw that the um, e-commerce industry needs someone to fulfill orders for them, make it easier for the dropshipping because dropshipping was on the rise. Um, and that's that's around 2015. And uh, I think that's when the company started or was established. Um, um, he started this baby. And this is where we are today. We find ourselves as a dropshipping fulfillment uh, agency. And and one thing that I think the audience just wants to know as well before we uh, go any further is what is your unique role in the company? 
I, I guess you're, part of it is you know you get to do the uh, to do the interviews uh, such as this, which is great. But um, yeah, just let us know what what, uh, what role you play. All right, basically, I'm part of the marketing department. I'm with the marketing team here at the company. Um, I do a lot of the PR work as well. Um, I talk a lot with uh, clients if they have any question con- uh, concerning Rio, what Rio actually is, especially the ones we have, uh, the subscribers we have on YouTube. Um, I try to get as much uh, contact with dropshippers on Instagram and all the other social media platforms. Uh, but we have other guys as well. Um, um, on Facebook, we have other, other people working on Facebook. So I, I do a lot of PR work and a lot of the, uh, I'm starting to do the, a lot of the YouTube content. We're trying to push content. And this is, yeah, what I basically do for the company. And um, I'm, I'm wondering as well is um, how, uh, how you came to join the company. Were you, uh, th- did you look online? Were you recruited or, you know, what, what were you up to prior to uh, joining the company? I, I basically studied here in China. And as soon as I graduated, um, my lecturer was, uh, was, was, um, a teacher, could I say, um, a, a teacher of, uh, the bus on my buses, uh, uh, um, for his masters, he was doing his master. So he, she was the, uh, what's the word for, for, for not protege, uh, the word for someone who, who's under, who's, who's above the um, mentor, the mentor, right. Yes. Uh, she was his mentor for his masters. So because of her, I was one of the good students, uh, um, a top student in class. I wouldn't say I wasn't the best, but one of. So, um, she hooked me up. Um, and, and with time, I found myself here at Rio. Um, she, it was because of my lecture in university. Uh, that's terrific. Now, I mean, we could get into a whole like um, a domino effect where we find out, well, how are you studying in China? How do we do that? We, if we have time, we'll get back to that because uh, I think that's a curious story in of itself. I was looking at some of the, the WeO uh, content. I saw the, uh, I guess it was the tour that um, uh, known dropshipping uh, expert Steve Tam was, we interviewed him like way, way back. He does a, He did a tour of it. And I have to say, I was blown away at how really impressive looking the places. It's got a nice lounge. It's got a front desk. I think like the walls are marble. And it, it just blew me away how uh, prestigious it looked. So it, can you speak a little bit more to what were some of like the major milestones and how Wheel was really able to expand and become such a, uh, such a heavy hitter in the e-commerce space? I think everything that, with everything, it takes time and consistency. Um, it started very small. It started with four people. It started with just Sam, um, the president of the company, and two other people. And with consistency and hard work, and obviously the government here in China does uh, make it easier for businesses to start. Uh, it's very supportive of startup companies, so they had a, a backing from the government as well. With consistency, like I said, and then we find real being where it is now. That's terrific. Well, I, I think it just goes to show that these fundamentals about consistency and determination and um, being open to receiving help from uh, other sources who are willing to provide that help, like you're saying the Chinese government was willing to uh, provide uh, business backing. You know, you, you, you take the help when it's offered and, and now we, you know, it, it is what it is. There are, now, there are other competitors out there. I've spoken to quite a few. You know, I have, I'm, I myself being in the dropshipping space, uh, I'm, I'm a burgeoning a seller, you know, I have my own, um, I have pick of the litter, right? I can, I, I, I've been able to really talk to uh, all of them. So it's fantastic for me to be able to hear from the different companies. I, I would like to know is, uh, what makes uh wheel unique? Uh, what, uh, can, what does wheel like to do to uh, give itself an edge? Uh, where does it focus its priorities on? And we'll, we'll, we'll take it from there. We'll expand on that from that point. All right. Well, the main focus of here, I think what we're developing is trying to create, um, you know, a customer relations. Uh, we're trying to, to, to make sure that we are very close to our customer, very supportive to them, we're very attentive. We want to add as much vis- value to the customer as we can. Um, because when you look at what most of us do as dropshipping supply agencies, it's very similar. We all go through the same challenges. I mean, we we go head to head when it comes to shipping times as well. 
uh, um, I think we offer the most, uh, um, the, one of the most fastest shipping times for any agencies here in China. Um, I quote one of the most uh, fastest shipping times. Um, and and we we feel that, that it's very important to focus on the customer, on what they want, and giving them great after-sales service, um, replying on time, uh, making sure we try to get uh, people uh, uh, who speak their languages, because we also have uh, a lot, a huge market in Brazil. We're getting someone who can speak Portuguese now. So uh, what we understand is we want to focus on the customer, on what the client wants, because that's where we'll get an edge. Most of the things nowadays are getting becoming automated. You know, um, it's so easy to get a software and 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 you get efficiency from it. Um, but the one thing that people want is the relation with the company. If they can touch it, if they can trust it, if they can feel it, if they know what it's about, and that's how you get ahead in the in the industry or with anything in business nowadays. People are. Uh, who who choose a brand or uh, or, or, or product? They, they want to know now what what it's made of, what where what its story is. Does it have a story? They want to relate to it. They want to almost touch it. They want to I don't know. Um, <laughs> but they want to be close or feel a part of the brand itself. Right. I, I think one word that I would use to summarize a lot of what you're describing there is the we we want to connect. And it's kind of a worn out refrain at this point because we've been under a COVID situation for the last year, but That's people close. are dying for connection. And it's, you know, it's one of the reasons why uh, we've, uh, we've switched over to doing video content because we want people to see each other's faces. Uh, I've been kind of like, I, I've been not going to lie, I've been a little greedy because I would turn on the video content, but then, you know, we would just put out audio content. So I would just turn on the Zoom call. Hey, I want to see your face, but you know, the audience I, you know, cares about them. Well, it's really important and people want to connect in, in any way that they can. And now when you just, when you're saying the customers, of course, I'm imagining that the customer is, of course, the person who is selling to their own customers. So in this context that the customers working with Wio are the sellers. And it's important that sellers too are also creating those connections. I, I got to say, I don't have quite like a, a, a formulated question to really say other than I, I try to, you know, go one step above and not ask you like something really simple, but it's going to have to be a simple one this time around is, is, can you tell us about some of the connections that you made with the sellers and how, and the feedback that you've gotten uh, from them and how they feel like your company has really made a difference in what they're doing? I mean, if you go up to a blog, uh, I feel like um, most of our reviews, uh, when you get there, they tell us that, um, um, I'm quoting you from customers. They tell us that we have great service, uh, great feedback. Um, they can even name the sales management agent's name. They, they, they know them by name, showing that, you know, uh, we do try to get very personal and very close and very attentive to our customers, um, um, which is very important. Uh, we try to stay as consistent with one customer uh, versus agent. Um, excuse for the lack of a better word when I say versus or uh, whoever or whoever the sales agent is, we try to make sure that the sales agent is consistent that with that one customer. You don't just switch them over. Um, but of course, uh, we still want to, you know, create value by quick reply, quick response. Um, so you might not be working with one agent all the time. You know, the agent that's available to help you with with, with whatever you need, we'll be there. Um, but the great thing is um, most of the clients remember the agent's name, I'm showing you that we do try. We do try our best to get personal and close with the customer. Not too personal, though, um, in a business sense. Um, very <laughs> attentive to our customer. Yeah. <laughs> yes, we try our best. Yeah. Well, I mean, any uh, consistent listener of this show knows uh, that um, I, 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 I personally like getting into the personal side. Um, and I do have my own sales background as well. I, I spent a lot of time in watches and like the last job that I did before this one was uh, we were doing luxury watches. So it was interesting because I got to have uh, a Rolodex of clients who were all very high profile. You know, we had, we had one person who was like an active democratic politician like we looked up his twitter and uh and we saw yeah that guy the guy was chewing us out yeah he's like he's running for office and like i don't know michigan or something like that and then we all kind of like sat around for a second and we thought 
Man, it must be nice to be a public servant and be able to afford these luxury watches, huh? And so it's it, it, it's crazy to think that we can uh, we could form these uh, these connections with people. And and I think that there is a, a a delicate balance between wanting to become personable and really wanting to uh, understand and see the other uh, see the customer uh, eye to eye, but not get to the point where we end up like you know making really close friends with them where we start to put. I'll start to value like their interests more than the company's interests. I don't know. It's it's a hard balance. But uh, what about your experience? Have you found um, uh, any insights in trying to balance out between like connecting but not too much? Um. Yeah. It's very tricky. You might you might still need to consider that you know this is a customer that you're dealing with. It's really really tricky. You have to get the balance right. But with everything, you know, you learn. Um. Sometimes you might make a mistake here and there. But the thing about uh, um, people that once you form the relationship, um, it's very easy to be forgiven. But when you sell on promise and you don't deliver, um, you might find it hard to be forgiven as well. So um, relationship actually actually helps you. It helps you if if I I miss a step, um, it's so easy to be forgiven because they now know who you are. They now know who that's not you. I know you can do better. Um, even as a business, as much as professional, uh, as much as you need to be professional, uh, um, um, they will still, you know, be able to forgive you for certain things. I think people are scared because or to try anything because um, they don't want to make mistakes, you know. Um, and and I think that's where we lost things over the years is that uh, when it came to business, we just figured um, let's just be out and out, uh, super professional. Yes, it's very important, very vital. Uh, don't misquote me on that. Very important. But mm-hmm. I think you can also show, you know, more, more a partnership, a friendship in a way. Um, getting the balance right takes time. I think you should just allow yourself to, you know, um, see how to get it right. And eventually, yeah, um, you'll, know, you'll know what to do. You know, I, I remember um, one uh, person that I had got along with quite well at, at, at another sales job way back. This was a retail job. I'm on the floor uh, connecting with customers. And I think we, we recognize that, you know, we wear different faces. We might may even see we wear different masks when we have different environments. Like I do put on a different face when I'm interacting with my relatives, a different face when I'm uh, around different friend groups. And it's the same thing in business. You know, we do put on a different face and it's not like I go, <laughs> time to pull a wool over their eyes. No, it's just, we, we just have to be uh, considerate about how we interact. And she liked me a lot. She even actually brought me chocolates one day because she was so happy with the experience that I was giving her. And part of why she was so happy with it is because she understood the context. She understood that I still work here. I I still have a job to do and I have to prioritize that. And when we go above their expectations for what they think the experience is going to be like, that's when the connection really starts to roll over and you're just washed over with positivity. Uh, I'll, I'll get to a question, I promise you. But the downside was um, that store had let me go. Uh, they had I'm a, interested in what she's saying, actually. Thank you. I, I appreciate it. Well, that store let me go. Uh, the new district manager came in. She let me go. She let my manager go. And uh, we, uh, we, we had a good cry that night. I remember visiting that store about maybe three or four months later. And that, that, that woman who really uh, appreciated me, she didn't realize that I had uh, that I had been let go. She thought I quit, and it completely changed her opinion on me because she thought that I wasn't loyal. She thought that I uh, I just didn't value the long term benefit of being there. And I had no way to tell her that. So it, it, it can be unfortunate. I think losing relationships, being in that in, in a position where things have to be let go, that's the hard part. Uh, is trying to then how do I find her? Right? Do I look over online or say, "Hey, remember me like ten years ago?" But yeah, uh, no, I I I wasn't let go. I was uh, sorry, I didn't quit. I was let go. Um, so there's a lot going on there, and I just wanted to share that with you because this is just one example of how hard it is to really understand how to uh, build these relationships and maintain them. So I want to bring this to a particular subject, which is building trust. So from the beginning, there's two parties who need to understand they trust each other. The company needs to understand that they need to, the company needs to trust the customer and the customer needs to trust the company. So on your end, 
what do you want to see in the customers you work with? How do you, as a company, feel you're able to trust them? And then what do you do to build trust with the customer who wants to work with you? Good question. Thank you. I think um, a lot of it has to do with chance, giving it chance. Um, you really need to try to um, instinctively discern who you're talking with. It takes, it takes time. It takes time knowing people and understanding them. Um, it takes time with you being experienced in the business uh, of working and relating with people. And I, I believe uh, trust is gained. You know, we, have to, we have to gain it. Uh, you don't just um, would say, uh, let me trust you. And it's a tricky, tricky, tricky way. Um, but it, 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 the best thing you could do or what you could do now is if you are more transparent with them, if you have a story to tell, if you if they can see inside of you know your company on your YouTube channels, if they can you know um, talk to one, if you can give them your number and reach out, you know uh, you also have to show something concerning what we are trying to do and what we can do. Is if they maybe have my personal number, one of the clients have my personal number, and they can see that you know they can reach out to me anytime. You know, um, um, there's only so much you could do, you know, they, if someone can have trust issues, naturally they, they, they wouldn't trust anything. Um, but we would try our best, you know, by putting whatever content that we can put out, um, are we showing them insight on how we operate, how, how if they, are we showing them warehouses, um, um, but even though if we would do that, it, it would still be like, this could be any warehouse, you know? Someone could just be paranoid and say, um, it could be anyone's warehouse. It's still not the, the, the place, you know? They could have taken any video. Because now you can't just come to my place right now with the whole COVID situation. Um, <laughs> so it's something we're still trying to find, to be honest with you. And we understand that we need to create this trust. We need to, and that's what we're working on. That's what, like you mentioned earlier, one of the USPs or what, what, what we're trying to, uh, be as we are is, um, uh, uh, focus on the relationship that we have with our customers. And that has to do with building their trust. And I think the other thing is, are we delivering on, on our promises? We have to be consistent. And that's one other way you build trust, the, the consistency. If you're not consistent, are you consistent in communication? Are you going to get back to them and tell them exactly what's going on? You know, um, are you able to offer solutions if there's a problem and tell them, okay, um, this is what we can do because this is what's happening right now. Um, there's another way of building trust, the communication that we have with the customers. And we hope we also get, you know, the same feedback from them, but um, at the end of the day, it's purely business. Uh, if, uh, if the deal falls through, it falls through. If it doesn't, Hey, it's a, it's a churn, right? Right. You know, one democratic politician, uh, no longer is a fan of us. We just move on to the next democratic politician. I, there were two points that I thought were interesting about, uh, about your answer. Um, the first is that building trust is obviously tantamount, uh, as we uh, as we heartily agree. Uh, but there's a bigger picture issue, which is building trust in the whole industry. Uh, there's a, there's one story that I've said so often that I think I actually owe somebody a free coffee by now because they got the punch card and they punch it every time I tell the story. But I ordered this product called a hands-free bracket, and it was delivered, but to somebody in Montreal, and I never got it. But sorry, no, it was Quebec. Well. Quebec is the province. Montreal might have been the city. I didn't look into that part. And I look, I go to the website, say, hey guys, you sort of sent us to the wrong province, but the website just didn't exist anymore. And, and that can be, and a lot of people are having that experience. There's, there's images where people will like order a dress online and then they get the dress in person and it's, wait, wait a minute, I thought this was blue. This thing is white and all sorts of uh, things are going on. And so I'd say one of the main in, uh, issues is the industry as a whole has a trust issue because there's a lot of people who are taking advantage of, um, I would say, the naivete of ordering online for the first time. Is this something that uh, the company is aware of? Uh, well, I'm sure you're aware of it, but is this uh, is there an effort to uh, to address sort of like the trust issue and the skepticism of the industry at large? 
Yes, we are very aware of uh, this issue um, with the e-commerce business. <laughs> I myself would have experienced one or two, you know, problems or difficulties when I ordered something online. I'm like, uh, I expected something, you know, that's different. It, it happens to a lot of us. And we are honestly, honestly trying to um, gain the trust of the client as much we, um, as much as possible. Uh, we're trying to, um, it, within our content as well, like I said, how do we how do we communicate trust with them? How do we with our ends? How do we communicate trust with them? Um, um, and that's what we're trying to figure out. We're trying to strategize on um, uh, what what can we give them that will say that you know we trust them. But then the issue of trust is basically consistency. Are you consistent enough with your dealings? Um, are we really, 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 really? understand and it's unfortunate for people who are actually reliable uh, uh even though they're reliable because they had one experience in the past with a different um agency a different establishment a different uh, company um it might be a misfortune for you because now they just have you know uh um a negative idea of uh, doing shopping online um but somehow we are stuck now because of the COVID and we can't reach to most places. We can't just, you know, go. So um, it's opened uh, um, this market now where people are now forced to do business online. You know, um, it's not whether they have a choice sometimes. Yeah, but we are well aware of the, the trust uh, uh, that customers have. Um, um, and I believe we are very consistent in our dealings. Just go check on the reviews on, 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 on our websites and on our YouTube channels and, and see how people react to, 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 to EO. And that's one thing uh, people should do, you know, and I believe they do that. I believe clients take on the reviews to see if this place is legit or not, which is uh, great for us, great for companies. Um, the fact that there's a system where you can see reviews on that. And I, I, I encourage people to check reviews before they just order uh, or become partners with companies. Uh, yes. Well, you know, the other point too that I wanted to, to raise, and I can um, add in everything that you've said here into it, which is that there is like this arms race when it comes to skepticism and then relieving that skepticism where uh, somebody might read a text review and they say, well, for all I know, they got somebody to write that review. Uh, somebody might see an image, they say, well, maybe that's photoshopped. They see a video now and they might think, well, that's probably just deep faked. So skepticism is constantly evolving in the same way that how we rev how we um, gain that trust with the customers uh, has to evolve with it. And what I find is fascinating, and this is really just an observation more than anything, is that just using it as an opportunity to be more human. Um, doing content like this, where we get to have a conversation, uh, doing uh, content on YouTube, uh, having blogs, uh, showing more images of the people, is peeling back that veil. You know, we don't know, we don't so much have to have um, the, uh, the the corporate image as the only thing that people see. It's really just about people uh, working with people. Um, the other thing I want to say too, this is just like another story that popped into my head. Are you always saying like, when, maybe some people they're burned on something and they just there's no coming back for them. <laughs> uh, I can, I, I will tell you, cause maybe you guys will find this, you guys will find this experience valuable, but that happened to me once uh, with acupuncture. Uh, I was having stomach problems and I went to this naturopath and I'd seen her for a number of weeks and she said she would try acupuncture. And so I'm laying down on a bed and I'm getting needles. I know that's not actually the sound effect that they make, but just so you, for audio listeners, that's what we're dealing with here. And I, and I, and I'm laying perfectly still and this itch slowly starts to creep up on my side. And I think, okay, I know I got needles in me, but I really need to scratch this itch. I move my arm just slightly and some of the needles start to adjust and spot. And all of a sudden I am in a lot of pain and I can't do anything. I can't even, I'm too scared to even like to scream out. Luckily she comes back in, she starts removing the needles and I, and I just said, I, I, I moved my arm and one of them, I guess, moved in place. and so. That was almost like 11 years ago, and I've never even considered acupuncture again because sometimes people just get burned on it and they got to move on.
I just I just wanted to tell that story because sometimes really you know you, there are ways I think to 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 regain trust, but I think the issue is it takes a lot of resources and a lot of extra effort to reach out to that person. So I don't know if like I would even be an advocate for acupuncture even if they did regain my trust. <laughs> true, 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 true. Makes sense. It makes a lot of sense. Uh, what she's saying, um, I, I believe we have had that kind of an experience. Maybe not the exact experiences to having acupuncture, no. uh, but you know, we might yeah. have a, a better experience with something. Maybe a meal. Uh, you've had a meal at some place, and you you found something that you didn't want to find there, and all of a sudden you don't want to order takeout anymore. Or, or something like that, or even when you order it, uh, take out you to a little uncomfortable. Uh, you don't have, you know, that confidence in in ordering out. You prefer to just, you know, eat in and make your own food. Um, that's just an example. So mm. I believe that's true. That's very true. Um, companies have a lot of work. Um, in that sense, especially e-commerce companies. Or online companies rather they they have a lot of work uh, to try to gain trust um, it's almost like uh if uh, you find uh, um, a lady that was broken hearted uh it's going to be so hard to break down those walls you know because uh now she has issues with trust and all of that oh, but then um if you really care about you know the customer if you really care about what you're doing as well uh, um, you will take the effort and time to try to gain their trust. You will do whatever it is, whatever it takes. I think uh, people think business is just the relationship between uh, uh, the, solvem, the problem you're solving versus the income you're getting from it. You know, but business is really about people. It's about, um, as I'm saying, it's solving a problem, you know. Are you actually solving a real legit uh, problem for someone, and and they consider that wow, you helped me so much. Uh, let me give you this in return for it. So, um, in as much as you just want to look at it as a black and white sort of scenario, I think there's always a gray area in business, and people can manipulate it. People can find uh, a way in that gray area to. Uh, get what they need, get what they want from each other. I hope I'm making sense. You are. I, I think you make a, an important point. And I love your analogy too, by the way, that if somebody is brokenhearted, you know, if you really care and you really love that person, um, we'll, we'll understand. And in a way, when you come out the other side, it creates an even deeper bond. Uh, so yeah, I think that was, I think that was beautiful. So I'm gonna, I, I got some other uh, questions I want to do. Get, I get to too. I mean, we can we can spend three six hours like talking about trust alone because it's such a fundamental subject. But uh, here's one that I really wanted to make sure that we got to because I have to say I was I, I was surprised about this. So let me set this up. On AliExpress, uh, we recognize that it's far and away the mm, cheapest way to get our hands on products. Uh, one story I like to tell. It, I, I'm pretty sure historically I've throw, I've mentioned the company. I'm going to stop doing that because I feel like it's unfair to them. But there was a company that were selling, uh, for those of you who are watching the video, these compression gloves uh, that I'm wearing. And the company marketed them to me, found them on Facebook. I paid 20 bucks for them. Uh, I was happy to do that because they did the marketing for it. Um, but then I learned through an interview uh, with, uh, with somebody else uh, earlier on that these things are actually like three bucks, three or four bucks on AliExpress. So I go to AliExpress and I get $20 worth of these gloves. And now I've got one for me, one for my girlfriend, and then an extra pair in, in back. So when Wheel says that pricing is actually cheaper on AliExpress and yet has so many features to offer, I got to ask, how is that possible? If I'm trying to understand, are you saying Wheel is cheaper than AliExpress? Um, yeah, I mean, that's what I... Absolutely. Yeah. That's what I had seen. Uh, we, we advertise that the products can actually be cheaper than on AliExpress. Yes. It, uh, there's a number of factors that we can consider um, um, with that. I think uh, the issue is AliExpress might not add shipping rates, you know, and we are very, um, we are quicker than AliExpress. So that might be added on to the actual price of the product itself. The product itself is not it's probably cheaper, but because we have 
faster shipping rates that might add to the price of uh, how we get it to you guys. So that might that might be the reason why you find some of the products a little bit pricier than AliExpress. I don't think all products on Vio are pricier than AliExpress. I think uh, a lot of them are very, very, very uh, lower than AliExpress. But that's, 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 it depends. It depends on the product. It also depends on the shipping method you chose. You know, a lot of people uh, complain that, you know, AliExpress um, might be a little bit, you know, uh, take a little bit uh, longer than hours. Uh, most shipping or uh, dropshipping supply agencies. So that's that's one thing to consider is whether how quick are you willing to or how fast do you want your product to get to you? Uh, I when I looked into shipping, I saw that there were some different uh, shipping uh, options. So can you expand on the shipping side of it, just so the customers who work with Wea understand what options are available to them? Yes, there's a couple of options. Um, uh, the most popular one is the e-packet, uh, which is very convenient. I think a lot of people use it. Um, it's a little bit pricier than uh, most of them. If you go to the website, um, just check and you'll find the other job, uh, uh, shipping methods that we have. I think that's a good place to look. Um, so the next one I want to ask about is the uh, quality check. And now... One of the things that I think is really important to these agencies is products are are uh, are, are vetted. They're 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 tested. Uh, we you know the company wants to make sure that if they're going to ship something, it's uh, held to a to a standard. Uh, but then there's also there are different product lines, right? There's toys, there's beauty products, there's apparel. Um, so can you tell us about uh, t- what can you tell us about the quality check process and how standards might be set differently for different product lines? All right. So basically, we have a team in the warehouse that you know does that for us. Um, uh, they basically they work very hard on it. The sales department is usually the ones who uh, would tell you a lot about uh, the quality checks and the process within it. So if you just uh, go to anywhere and you check on our website, uh, there's a chat box that we have. And if you want to get uh, more details on how the quality management or quality check goes, just go onto our website and you will find it. You'll find more details and more help on it. I I, I, I did have another one um, along these lines, and I do think this is another one of those where the customers can you know, uh, check on the website. But I'm going to throw it into the mix anyways, just in case there's any uh, particular insights, uh, which is about sourcing. Um, I understand that you're looking to source viable products for drop shipping. I mean, usually the 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 copy and the way to uh, promote these products is to look and source for winning products. And I've gotten a lot of feedback from a lot of the guests on Ecomonics. Uh, that you know, there's a there's a debate here about how much of the product itself is inherently a winning product versus how much of the product is uh, tent is like is reliant on the marketing, is finding a different angle for it. Um, so my question for your company is, when it comes to sourcing products, you know, what is the criteria set? And if so, how do you determine what could be a winner? Okay, so basically we have a few dropshippers that we usually talk to um, in terms of um, what the feel of the market is. So we go on different sites, we do our market research on what's working, what's in season, we check the season as well. But then one of the things you should check is, could you find the product in a convenience store? You know, uh, you'd want to avoid finding the product in any other store, you know? So that's one way to check what a winning product is. Uh, another way is just, you know, going online on, on YouTube. Uh, you take on other, you know, uh, influencers, KOLs. They can help you find how, you know, uh, which uh, winning product it is that, that they might give you some tips and ideas uh, on which winning product or what is a winner. But more or less, um, I think the biggest thing that you should look out for is uh, basically avoid products that you can find uh, in a convenience store and know the season that you are in. Um, I think that helps a lot on a, on a winner product. Know the season. Yeah, that's a that's definitely a valid point. And I mean, one thing I'll, I'll say about 
I, I, I get where you're going with the uh, convenience store uh, example. Uh, I would also consider stuff like going on to going to Walmart or for me being kind of like a tech computer nerd going to slash business office space nerd going to Staples. Personally, one thing that I find with convenience stores is that if I look at a product, I'm like, okay, I'm going to get the cheap version of this, but in order to find like a really good premium version of it, I might have to look elsewhere. You know, get like a, I end up, I, I'll buy like a walnut cracker that looks metal. Then I open up out of the package. I'm like, oh, this is just plastic. So, you know, there, there's, 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 bare, there's like limits to what uh, convenience stores are. But, gen, but I think it's a really good general point, which is there are products that I think these major uh, retailers or even smaller stores, they just don't think it's feasible to carry because they just don't see the potential in a product to, to sell uh, large enough. And we know when we individual sellers and we, we tell uh, a lot of the people uh, who are looking to get into dropshipping is, you know, focus on specificity, focus on a niche and really like zero in on something particular and put the energy into marketing it. And then even if I, I'll never see it so long as I live in a store, I still understand intuitively how important it is in my life. So there's a lot of really good in insights there. This next one that I want to know about is the relationship between uh, dropshipping and um, I, I hesitate to say, you know, like an, a direct upgrade. But I, I do think it's fair to say that, uh, which is if people wanted to say um, move from dropshipping to say like a private label, or even if they I don't know get to the point where they're manufacturing themselves, is Wheel positioned to advance customers who wanted to move from like a pure dropshipping model to a private label model? Because uh, I think I don't I think I know you do because I think I know you do a lot of like custom branding, custom inserts. So just like let people know about what people can do to kind of like elevate their brand from dropshipping to some of the higher levels. Of course, we offer we do offer custom labeling and custom branding. If you want to move into your own space and uh, custom labeling, uh, we can help you with that. Uh, um, um, it's all there on the website if you check it out. If this is the question you're asking, it is. It is okay. So I think with the questions like that, you know, it's the most important part is like you know, is it uh, is it there? And the answer is yes. Uh, so that's all well and good. So the next one that I want to ask about this one is. Uh, an economics question. This is like, we, I've asked this question whenever I get to talk to agencies. Um, it's about um, learning in aggregate or when you collect information from a lot of the people you work with. Um, one of the great advantages to an agency is that you're learning something from all of the different people that you get to work with. And you have this big pool of information and insights that you can then share with other people. Um, so is there anything that comes to mind or anything that you've learned from all of the people you've worked with that you've been able to kind of like share with other people you work with? Uh, yes. Um, I think the biggest thing is um, being able to inconvenience yourself for someone else. I think that's the biggest thing that I've seen uh, with the people I work with. Uh, even though they have a certain deadline, they are willing to help you out with something that's very urgent if, if you know, it's really necessary and it's needed. I think a lot of us may think, oh, let's just focus on what we're doing. I just want to get ahead. You know what I mean? And one thing that I've learned about these people is um, they are very collaborative. It's so easy to work with them and they are willing to inconvenience themselves um, for the next person, um, considering the priority of the task at hand. And that's one thing I, I think I lacked. I always thought I should just get ahead and, you know, um, <laughs> um, we all need to get ahead with whatever we need to do. And slowly but surely, um, it's not that necessary. Um, I think if teamwork, teamwork, sorry, makes the dream work. If you, you know, allow yourself to just, uh, focus on someone else other than yourself, something beautiful happens there there's magic that comes out of it. I, I think that's a great point. And I think it's, it speaks to a lot of what we've established earlier on and just about, you know, uh, creating and, and building trust. And, uh, and I think another, you know, great lesson that I was able to learn over this uh, journey that I've been on um, hosting this show, uh, for which I am eternally grateful, is that when we, when we view these, uh, these issues, however form that they take, is that the, it's an investment opportunity. We don't. If we look at it at a cost, if we look at it as a cost, we've made a mistake in our minds. We look at it as, 
a way to uh, get the most uh, value out of a relationship with somebody. This is a bit of a, uh, this might be a bit of a uh, challenging question, but I, I think it's an important insight. So do you have experience where people have actually gotten to the point where they move on from the company? Um, is, or is it positioned so that somebody, even if they're their highest position, they've reached their end game, they've scaled up as much as they can scale up. Uh, how does, uh, how do you retain customers in the long term so that, uh, no matter where they end up, they would still look to your company to continue the working relationship. It may happen. It may happen that someone wants to, you know, um, do their own thing. It depends on the kind of resources they have. I mean, whatever that we are offering is something someone can figure out and try to do it themselves if they have a big enough team. But with the efficiency that we're doing it, that might be the issue. So what we try to do is uh, do it with as much efficiency as we can. And we progress with time, time and time again. We've never seemed to, you know, um, I'm disappointed on that, on that matter. So I think the biggest thing is um, trying to be efficient in your dealings when it comes to the customer. Um, are we efficient enough? Are we quick enough? And that's how we're trying to retain our customers, um, including trust as well. Building that, you you point out a very um, um, good good uh, matter or point um, that you need to gain their trust. But um, it happens with with commitment and and efficiency. You know, are we efficient enough? And that's one way we try to retain our customer. I, I, I can definitely see that being the, the key uh, deciding factor because if the, the business is running so efficiently, then if somebody were to try to move on, what they'll find is that they're losing time, they're losing resources. And so uh, it, uh, it, it just wouldn't be practical. It just wouldn't be worth it. Uh, so I think that's fair. That's a really good answer to the question. So, so Tibo, we we still have some time left, but we don't have a lot left. And I think... I could be wrong, but I think this is the first time I've gone to speak to somebody in China, which is kind of telling because, you know, China really is the central point for a lot of what, uh, what makes e-commerce possible. Um, so here's one thing I just, I, I just want to ask, cause I'm just like, uh, deathly curious is, uh, what's life like in China? Like, you know, what, uh, what's the, what, what are the, what's the subway like? What, what is the, um, for people who've never been to China, what would you love to tell people about living there? Yeah, you know, when I go back home, because I'm from Africa, I'm from South Africa, in fact, when I go back home, whenever I get this question, it's really um, challenging to answer in just, you know, a brief answer or a summary. It's so hard, but it's very different to the people, uh, you know, um, they are very nice. I've never seen such so kind, such a kind uh, people, uh, such a kind uh, group of people. Life here in China is here. There's fast paced. Uh, you could say there, there are parts of um, the country, uh, parts of the land, which is you know more easy going. But you know, in most of the cities, uh, it's kind of quick and very fast paced. Um, uh, very cultured people. Very cultured people. They they are very in touch or in tune with their traditions and culture as well you have to really understand where you're from and they do try to accommodate other people as well if if they i don't think there's any other place i've been where i've seen such kind that's the biggest thing that that's the first thing you notice about uh, chinese people in general is how kind they are uh, how they're willing to you know uh, offer help offer a, a lending hand um, but the issue, the one issue that I had was the language barrier. A lot of people can't, uh, you know, uh, speak English. Many do speak it, but, um, you might find it challenging to find someone who, especially with the older, older generation, the more mature generation. Yeah. Um, many of them, they don't really speak the language. Um, and you might find it very difficult, you know, reading the characters as well. You have to, you know, uh, learn them, but lucky enough, he, he, we have translators these days. Um, where I come from, when I saw that you could pay, you know, with with your phone, everything is done on your phone. I was uh, amazed. 
uh, I don't think we have placed systems that would allow us to, you know, um, pay with our phones. Although there is now in, in my country, but it was it's not as popular or as as common as it is here in China. Um, I think the 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 technology is second to none. Um, um, excuse that I'm saying I'm putting them high there on a pedestal, but they are, you know, they they are uh, have world class or state of the art um, technology. They do, they do. I, I appreciate the answer, and and I and I and I also appreciate uh, when you had said that to summarize uh, so much about you know who they are and what they do uh, in such a short amount of time is almost not uh, doing them a fair service, but. I think the fundamental takeaway for me is uh, is there is their kindness and how uh, accommodating they are. Um, so I, I that to me is kind of like the, the takeaway that's, uh, that sticks out in my mind. Secondary to that, I also was wondering if there's anything you'd like us to know about the company culture within Wheel. Uh, as far as I know, it's probably the biggest uh, in terms of like you know people working there. Uh, it's the biggest uh, dropshipping company that I've uh, that I've talked to so far. Uh, not that I've gotten a headcount of every agency that I've talked to, but I think it's pretty much that. So I think there's a lot of um, responsibility for a company like this to pave the way for what company culture in this industry can look like. So what would you like to tell us about the company culture at WIO? All right. When I first came in, because um, it hasn't been that long since I only started working on from last year, um, it hasn't been that long for me uh, to, uh, since I started working here, but what I can tell you is, you you sense uh, an equality. Like there's no one who uh, there's no clash of egos as such. Um, you know, everyone is is almost on the same level. It's it's so crazy how the boss himself. Uh, there was one meeting we had, and what what surprised me is he decided to sit at the back. I mean, the chairs were in front uh, for him. They were prepared. Uh, but then he just decided to sit in the front. He told them, no, no, you, you say, your seat is in front. So he's like, no, no, it's okay. It's okay. They, I've never seen such. Um, I'm very humble. It's a, a lot of people are very humble uh, in this place. Uh, um, so what I do understand is the go-getters, we, we, we want to get things done. We, we want to make sure we get things done. But we do have a sense of humanity within the company. We're not just um, out and out business that's, you know, hungry to uh, 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 thrive, but we still keep um, a sense of of humanity within the company. Um, I don't know, but we, we find a way to find the balance, you know, between being about business and also being about the people within the establishment. Um and that's one thing I sensed as an outsider when I came within the company or the establishment um, is the humility, the sense of humility and the humanity that's within the establishment. I, I think that's a, that's a great answer to the, the question as well. Um, so for people who are like new to the video content, by the way, uh, y'all are going to have to forgive me. I'm still figuring out the layout. I just realized that I was like looking to like one side the entire time because of just the way I had your, 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 your video set up. So sorry about that, guys. A bit of a... A learning process for me. So we're 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 on the cusp of uh, of letting you go, and I want to uh, just make sure that we uh, share some of the opinions that we uh, might have wanted to talk about earlier. Because I remember saying at the beginning, you know, uh, talk about the company and, and share our opinions on it. But uh, because we're we're, we're kind of close to uh, to our end here, uh, I'm going to uh, throw to you a more like a broad reaching question. Um, which is overall, uh, how would you assess the health of the, specifically dropshipping? I think dropshipping, of course, is a key component uh, and is an important part of e-commerce. But to say, how would you assess the health of e-commerce is crazy. We, we don't, I don't want to do that. So uh, how do you feel about the, uh, the dropshipping um, industry in specific? Uh, what would you like to see forward for 2021? And as well as what would you like to see, uh, or where does your company want to continue to grow in the coming year? I think um, the dropshipping industry is going to be more competitive because I think a lot of people are really catching on on it. Um, there are markets that haven't been open 
for quite a number of reasons. Uh, but I believe there's potential in so many places. If you look at Africa, the reason why uh, online buying and selling is not so popular, uh, one is maybe they haven't placed, uh, we have not found a way to uh, place online payment, you know, um, that's one of the issues. And another thing is, do people have access to smartphones and internet and the rates? Um, but I think they're catching on. So there's a new market that might unfold, but that's not for 2021. But what I'm seeing is in the future, there's going to be a huge market and there's going to be more entrants, more competitive. That means more compet competition because of the new entrants as well. Um, I think it's at a good place. I don't think, uh, I don't think, uh, uh, there's any discouragement, uh, for lack of a better word, of uh, 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 the industry as well. If there's anything bad about it as such, except the issues of whether people trust buying online or not. Um, I think with any industry, uh, there's still an issue of trust. The, even with the traditional market, uh, 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 you also had your trust issues with your 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 retailer. Or whoever you want to do business with, um, you still needed to, you know, establish a sense of trust. I think trust is always going to be a challenge for, uh, whatever market you're in, whatever business you're doing. Um, but I think it's at a good place right now. What I see is new entrants. Cause yesterday I was talking to someone and they were like, they're interested in dropshipping. Where do we start? Um, what is dropshipping? More and more people are actually interested in dropshipping, I feel. So there's going to be, expect new entrants. That's what I can say. Terrific. I, I think for me, just seeing from what I'm seeing, you know, starting as an outsider and slowly feeling my way uh, into uh, the e-commerce space is that I, I think it's, it's showing how important the industry needs to uh, be cohesive in order to, to function and to grow and thrive and to... Uh, handle the incoming responsibility, and and I think that's why uh, agencies and dropshipping services are going to be a key component of this because the alternative would be somebody who wants to have decent shipping times would start ordering stuff into their own home, uh, stack up a bunch of them in a room somewhere, and then send them out. And I've talked to some people, by the way, who do uh, business styles along these lines, like say they do a subscription box. So there are ways to go about it where the profit margins are good and it's not like a crazy amount of effort. So it is it is doable, but we're talking about scaling to like tens of thousands of people to the point where just there's just no room in a person's home. And this is I really one of the things that I was mystified the most is how are people going to be able to convince people to shop somewhere other than Amazon? And uh, and, and I think having an agency such as yours uh, understand this problem and solve it is going to continue to encourage people to get into it and uh, bring their unique experience to it. Because one thing I can say is that like there are so many unique experiences that I've had so far. Uh, just recently, we talked to like our first person from the uh, music industry. We've talked to people from retail. We've talked to arts and chefs and everybody has a pathway to becoming as free as they want and commerce is, is the way to do it. So, uh, so thank you for, for your contribution to it. And uh, the last thing I want to say before we uh, get you on Addy is if there's any final words of wisdom you'd like to share, uh, here's a chance to do it. And then uh, give us the web address so we know where to look. All right. I'm, I just want to say for anyone who's an entrepreneur or dropshipper, I believe we need to understand that with any business that we want to do, um, it takes time, you know. Uh, I think a lot of people who want to stop dropshipping want to see instant success and instant income. And I think you should look at it in a, a long-term uh, sort of view. Whatever that you're doing, look at it as an in, in investment uh, rather than looking at the cost. I like how you put it earlier on in the interview, and I think I'm going to take that with me as well. I mean, look at the investment instead of the cost and what you're putting in uh, now, and don't um, um, look for instant success, you know, um, it's going to take time with everything that is solid. It takes time. It needs a foundation. It needs understanding. 
So I think give it a chance. If 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 you feel you want to uh, start dropshipping, um, give it a chance. I think you need to give it time. And our website uh, is called this www or where you'll find us is www.wio w-i-o-w-i-i-o sorry dot i-o so it's www.wio.io and then you can also check us out on instagram and facebook terrific and yeah i, I was just going to say it's been a blast to, to meet you and to, to learn a lot about how um, the role that your company is playing and um with that uh that's everything we're going to do today so listeners take care and we will check in soon Thanks for listening. You might have found this show on many number of platforms. Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, or right here on Debutify. Whatever the case, if you enjoy this content and want to help us thrive, please take a few moments to leave a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you think is best. We also want to hear from you. So whether you think you'd be a good guest or want to weigh in on anything related to our show, you can email podcast at Debutify.com. Or connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. Finally, this podcast is created by the passionate team at Debutify. If you're ready to take the plunge into e-commerce or are looking to up your game, head over to Debutify.com and see how we can change your life and the lives of many through what you do next. <laughs>